This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Let's talk about our eyes. This is a very specialized uh, part of our body, and we leave it to the ophthalmologist and optometrist and opticians to take care of them. But there are some particular problems that can occur in the backcountry that all of us should know a little bit about. Some of them are uh, common and and uh, benign, and others can be uh, far more serious and require evacuation. This is not uh, a, a, a podcast on how to treat all the various diseases of the eye, uh, but really just to focus on those that will occur in the wilderness, of course. So the first thing we have to do is just have, understand a basic uh, anatomy of the eye. It's not too complicated, and uh, uh, a lot of people already know sort of the basic structure of the eye uh, as it is. Um, the most famous part of the eye, of course, is the lens. That's sort of where all the business is and, and uh, focuses the eye and transmits lights to the back of the eye. The iris, of course, is, is uh, the colored part of the eye that helps regulate the amount of light that enters. If you ever get a chance to look at it under a, um, a slit lamp, it's really quite a remarkable uh, object to look at. The pupil is the, that aperture in the eye, uh, right in the middle of the iris, that determines how much light gets into the eye. It's really just an opening. The lens is the transparent uh, structure inside the eye that focuses light rays onto the retina. It's not, it doesn't do most of the focusing, but the thing about the lens is it, is it does the variable focusing. And it's the one that really gets a lot of the attention, of course. Um, uh, but it, it only does, it's, it's uh, a variable focus. Most of the focusing occurs uh, out on the uh, front of the eye. The retina is the back of the eye, which gets all the sunlight, and that's the area where you want to protect from sunlight because it, in fact, can burn and damage the area where you focus the most, and that's called the macula. And if you get out in the sun a lot, the, there'll be a lot of light and energy on the macula. You can get a degeneration of that surface called macular degeneration. So one thing you want to tell all your patients, friends, and family when you go in the back country is to wear dark glasses to protect the retina. And again, the macula is that part of the eye that gets is so photosensitive and it gets all the light and can be des- uh, destroyed. Uh, the vitreous is the, is the kind of jello-like substance in the middle of the eye. And the sclera is the white part of the eye. And you'll need to start looking at that uh, to help diagnose eye conditions that may happen in the back country. The first step when you have someone that comes to you that has some problem with the eye is to just immediately say whether it's a, uh, a traumatic injury or a non-traumatic injury. Uh, traumatic injuries to the eye, uh, hopefully you don't see them when you're in the back country, but they are often the result of a, a blunt trauma or a penetrating trauma. And they usually happen when uh, a biker falls, um, uh, while, while biking and then flips, or it could be a jogger while running and maybe uh, let, uh, you know hits their head. Any kind of high-velocity injury, skier or even snowboarding, uh, if you go into a tree, you can have this sort of a problem. An open globe injury is where you have full thickness uh, damage to the cornea or to the sclera. This is uh, the result of blunt uh, or even penetrating trauma to that part of the eye. Often you'll see the aqueous or the uh, vitreous humor leaking from the wound, uh, which is not a, a pretty sight uh, to see. Uh, it uh, usually appears sunken, like the entire eye, due to the loss of fluid. Once this is recognized, the protective shield should be put over the eye 
don't put a pressure dressing on it because it can cause more leakage of the fluid. Uh, this is a very, very painful situation, and uh, no further exam should be done. The patient needs to be evacuated immediately. Uh, you don't put in antibiotic eye drops or anything at this point, uh, but you can give oral uh, anti antibiotic eye drops. Um, uh, give them ibuprofen or something for pain. A more common type of uh, a traumatic eye injury is having a an object penetrate the eye, penetrating foreign body. This is seen with the fissure in the eye would be a good example of that. If that happens, someone gets a fissure in their eye, even if it doesn't penetrate uh, the globe, it maybe just goes into the anterior chamber, uh, don't try to remove it. Uh, stabilize the object by uh, putting a uh, dressing, like in a donut shape around the eye, maybe a cup over the eye or glasses over the eye, something like that, to prevent any jarring of the embedded object. You could patch the other eye uh, so that uh, it, uh, with a occlusive dressing so that you wouldn't move the eye. This is also going to hurt a lot. And so uh, if they don't need to navigate their, with their eyes to get out of the back country, uh, then you might want to leave one of the eyes open. But this is also going to be very painful for them. Um, occasionally, you can get a ruptured globe. Uh, and, and this is not always obvious. Um, whenever there's trauma to or maybe around the orbit, uh, the eye should be assessed for signs of an open globe. These include like a large some, uh, subconjunctival hemorrhage, a hyphema, which we'll talk about in just a minute, a corneal abrasion or a, like a, a peaked pupil. Uh, if you suspect an occult rupture, you should treat uh, like it's an open globe injury Usually they're painful, and um, uh, and move them out. While not obvious, uh, it will be a, a, a ruptured globe. Um, if you have a, a laceration around the eye, you can treat these in the back country and often don't have to evacuate them. But let's talk about the ones that are more, uh, uh, you know, dangerous. If you have a superficial lid laceration that doesn't cut to the full thickness of the eyelid and doesn't involve the lid margins or the eye itself, this is not going to be uh, as serious. Uh, penetration of the eye by a foreign object, you've got to rule out, because a lot of times uh, when you get a cut to the eye, there can be damage to the globe itself. So the treatment of a superficial uh, lid laceration is the same for any wound or a minor laceration. Often it doesn't require any more therapy than just to put some uh, pressure on it uh, to uh, stop the bleeding. However, uh, it's, it's important not to put a lot of pressure on the eye, but rather on the surrounding tissues and on the bones in the orbit. After the bleeding stops, you can irrigate it and just watch it. You can close it with tape. If it's, uh, I, you have to be careful if you're going to suture these things because you can actually go through the skin and cause irritation or damage to the eye. Don't use skin glue on these uh, lid lacerations because you can get the glue into the eye. Uh, so a superficial lid laceration... Uh, usually you can treat pretty well. The problem is, is that sometimes they become more complex. And so a complex lid laceration cuts through the full thickness of the lid itself, or it can include the lid margins. When looking at these, make sure that there is no damage to the globe. Uh, you can use sterile gauze to stop the bleeding. Irrigate the laceration with saline solution or just clean water if you have it. Uh, a lot of people are, are not comfortable closing these co complex lid lacerations. The reason is that there's a probability of poor cosmetic and functional outcome. 
if the laceration is not closed appropriately. However, due to the need for repair, patients with complex lacerations uh, should be evacuated if, if possible. The wound should be treated with an antibiotic ointment and then kept covered. So it's going to be up to you to decide whether you want to do these or not. Sometimes they don't need to be closed simply because they might be, uh, they might, uh, the, uh, the margins might approximate n- nicely. Uh, if you've had blunt orbital trauma around the eye, um, uh, this can fracture uh, the, the very thin bones that hold the eye in place. This would likely be obvious as significant periocular bruising and swelling uh, will be seen. More concerning is that there may be restriction of the eye movements due to entrapment of either the muscle belly uh, in the fracture or uh, swelling uh, that will uh, prevent the eye from moving. The most commonly affects the interior rectus muscle as the floor of the orbit is much weaker. Uh, Significant swelling and uh, restricted eye movements, and you can see uh, clear uh, fluid leaking from the nose, decreased vision following the trauma, all suggest considerable damage. Uh, so when you examine the eye, you need to make sure that the eyes are moving freely. Uh, no blood or liquid is uh, uh, um, leaking around the eye. If you suspect an orbital fracture, the patient needs to be evacuated. A very common uh, eye injury is the corneal abrasion. This is uh, something that emergency room and Instacare doctors are uh, see a lot. It happens when the top surface of the cornea is scraped. A corneal abrasion uh, may result in moderate or severe pain, but it certainly is a, just a huge irritant to the eye. People um, may te- uh, tear and uh, you know uh, kind of weep, but and experience sensitivity to the light. Patient, uh, patients will say that they have a foreign body sensation in the eye, even if there isn't a foreign body in the eye because of the roughness on the cornea. To see the abrasion, you have to uh, apply a topical anesthetic. If you have one with you, which is probably a good idea to put into your uh, uh, first aid kit, this will get rid of discomfort, and then you can allow uh, the patient will allow you to examine the eye much better. Um, if you're f- comfortable with it, you can then put a fluorescent dye in the eye, and then you can look at the eye. And people say, "Well, I don't have a an ultraviolet light, which is what you have to do to see the fluorescent dye." But the sun is a great source of that, and will light it up. So, in your first aid kit, it's a good idea. If you're going to be with their sand or somebody has uh, um, where it's contact where they can get a little piece of uh, sand in their eye um, to have an antibiotic eye drop in fluorescein strips. Um, how you treat it is you can put an antibiotic eye drop in the eye. Um, another th- useful thing for your first aid kit. And then you can put uh, artificial tears uh, and, and make sure that you get the foreign object out. It could be just a little piece of sand. A lot of time they're stuck up, up under the eyelid. You have to lift the eyelid up. And, uh, and find it. Uh, there's a lot of people like to patch the eye, although uh, this is not a necessity and doesn't uh, in, in decrease the time to recovery. But some victims report that that gives them some relief. These are usually gone within uh, 24 hours or, or less, actually. Uh, the, another and the last traumatic um, eye injury you want to talk about is uh, hyphema. A lot of people will never see one of these uh, ever in their life, and you certainly don't want one. A hyphema uh, is uh, uh, when you've uh, hit the front surface of the eye, and then blood will collect in the anterior chamber. Um, uh, 
a lot of times these are very obvious, and you'll see blood uh, uh, pooling in front of uh, the the iris and the pupil. And sometimes it's hard to see because if there's just a little bit of uh, blood, then uh, surface tension will make it uh, uh, curve around the bottom of the eye. Uh, more pronounced iphemas will be blood with a straight, flat line, and they're easier to see. Um, so you have you you can't have them. Um, lying flat. You really have to, if you suspect a hyphema, you have to have them sit up uh, so that the blood pools at the bottom. This is a, a very serious condition that mandates evacuation. The, the issue is, is that you get a lot of blood in the anterior chamber, and then uh, what happens at that point is that uh, it will push into the posterior chamber on the vitreous, which will then push on the retina, and the uh, it'll decrease the blood supply in the back of the retina, and people can lose vision uh, because of this. The, the treatment for this is just evacuation. You don't want to give them aspirin because you want to try and st uh, stop the bleeding. Um, you try to keep their heads up uh, uh, as high as you can um, so that the, there is decreased interocular uh, pressure. Activity should be restricted to just walking out. Uh, and uh, there are some studies that show that walking doesn't increase the, the risk of uh, re-bleeding. So uh, if you uh, have a blunt trauma of the eye and you look at all of these things we discussed, Make sure that the eye moves freely uh, and blood and liquid aren't leaking and that if they have a hyphema, uh, to just get them out as quickly as uh, possible. So there are a lot of other problems that are related to the eye that aren't traumatic. Uh, one that comes up every now and again is someone will have a stroke or something and they'll have an acute vision loss in what appears to be a normal eye. There is nothing good with that. There could be a retinal detachment. It could be a stroke. Um, you know, are probably at the top of the list, but all of those people need to get out. Trauma, you know, can cause a retinal detachment, and it may be something that's in somebody's past, like they played sports when they were younger. But nevertheless, people that have acute vision loss need to be evacuated. Another problem that happens is the subconjunctival hemorrhages. That is, um, you get this red coloring uh, on the white of the eye. This is really a benign condition blood vessel breaks. We include it in the wilderness medicine just because it happens at altitude more uh, for reasons that are not r really clear. It looks like a bloodshot eye. These resolve in a couple of days, certainly within two weeks without any treatment. So a lot of people will think that they're having a stroke or they've had something bad happen to them, but in reality, it's just a, a, a very benign condition. Conjunctivitis is a problem that happens in the backcountry. Back These can be you know, viral, bacterial, or allergic don't always assume that it's uh, bacterial when you get it, but it certainly could be. You want to take antibiotic eye drops with you in the backcountry. In the wilderness, the most practical treatment for these symptoms is cold uh, compresses. If you have snow or ice, cool, wet cloth is possible. Uh, you uh, you know, can rinse the eye out with um, uh, you know eye drops as well. The antibiotic eye drops works really only for the uh, bacterial conditions. So you might want to carry some uh, antihistamine eye drops uh, uh, just in case, a patinol or something like that. One of the more common problems that happens with skiers is uh, UV keratitis. The best way to describe this is sunburn to the surface of the eye caused by ultraviolet exposure. Symptoms usually begin about 6 to 10 hours after the sun exposure, so usually people have been out skiing or snowboarding, cross-country skiing, or get home, and then their eyes just burn like crazy. The, uh, the victim is usually not aware that the damage is occurring during the time of the exposure, which is a problem. People are usually extremely uncomfortable, and their pain is worse with light exposure. 
This is why sunglasses uh, may help with that. Uh, prevention is the key to this type of problem. When traveling on the snow or water, it's essential to wear sunglasses or even the, the, the glacial goggles to prevent the corneal damage. Uh, altitude is a huge uh, risk factor for ultraviolet damage because UV is uh, more prominent up in the eye, uh, up in the sky. So be careful with this one. And uh, this is a, a job for uh, physicians and medical people to warn others because they may not be aware that they'll put sunscreen and things on but aren't aware that you can actually burn the front of your eye. Uh, dry is a common thing in, uh, in the wilderness, uh, too. This is usually from wind exposure and hot, dry climates. It's a, it's a diagnosis of exclusion, really. In other conditions, such as foreign bodies, ulcers, oh, I don't know, abrasions and things have to be ruled out first. And they may have a history of dry eye treatments with artificial tears or eye drops. Uh, goggles and glasses that can protect the eye usually prevent this as well. We talked a little bit earlier about foreign bodies. Uh, this is so common in the backcountry because wind will pick up a little piece of sand or dust a, a little bit of a leaf or wood. Uh, when a person has one, it's important to find it and remove it. This includes averting the upper and lower lids and looking in there. If you can't find a foreign body, you might irrigate with eye, eye water. You can also sweep the eye with a cotton swab if, if you have some uh, uh, you know, uh, drops that will deaden the eye. Uh, that, that helps with that. After removal, the eye might need to be treated with antibiotic eye drops with the, or you know, look for a corneal abrasion. You don't need to evacuate people unless... There's some damage right over the pupil, or you're worried about that. And you have to just worry about infection. Usually, if you wash out or get it out, eyes don't get infected. But if you, put a, if you have antibiotic eye dro- drops, you put a drop in it. There is some thought that that will help prevent it. Well, anyway, this ends the uh, uh, podcast on uh, uh, eye conditions in the backcountry. And thank you for listening. <laughs>